welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 3rd of January 2010, entitled Christ at Calvary, and the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 to 12. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Just focusing as we come around the Lord's table this evening on our Lord Jesus Christ and what he went through on Calvary for you and I. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1, the prophet under inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote these words. He says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare? His generation. For he was cut off of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he has numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, this would be an amazing description of what our Lord Jesus Christ went through on our behalf at Calvary if it had been written 
after the fact. But it's even more amazing when we look into God's Word and we find that this was written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ even came in the flesh to this earth. We find that it's amazing that it could be so clear. And as a matter of fact, though, I must admit I cannot say this firsthand because I've never spent a lot of time in synagogues, but I understand from my reading that this is one of the passages that is steered away from in the synagogues. <laughs> They'll read many passages and verses all around it, but Isaiah 53 is one that they steer away from because even when they try to explain it away, it's pretty tough to do. We find that as we looked into God's Word this morning and we looked at the thought of the one thing, the one thing that I do in 2010, the one thing. You know, we can make all kinds of resolutions and we can resolve to do all kinds of things. We find that the Apostle Paul, after all that he had accomplished and done, when he was writing to the church at Philippi, we find that he realized that he had not yet arrived. He was not at the end yet. He hadn't reached his goal. And we read those two verses there in verses 13 and 14. Where he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. This one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I ask you the simple, simple question. What do you want 2010 to be for you as an individual? You know, we can look back, and there's many of them that we can just mark off because it's just another year gone. And yet if we really search it hard, many times we really don't see a lot that has been accomplished for eternity. We said that it's one thing that he was doing. And, of course, technically he's pointing here to that one thing that he's doing is pressing towards the mark, towards the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is no higher calling than what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the prize that he's pressing towards. That's the goal that he's shooting for. But the only way in order for him to do that, that one thing there were two other things. The three really make up the one. We looked at the very first thing that he had to do. He said was forgetting those things which are behind. Now we'll not go back there and look at all of those things again this evening. But we said that forgetting requires repentance. You see, God promises to forget 
Matter of fact, he promises to cast our sins into a sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered again. But it requires repentance. And we talked about several things, repenting of our sinful acts, repenting of our neglected acts, repenting of the wrong spirits and attitudes that we may have had. We said that the list could go on, but the truth is, we can all look back, but Paul says we've got to forget those things which are behind us. You can't go back and undo and change anything that you did this past year or anywhere in the past of your life as far as that goes. And in order to forget those things, in order to put them away forever, and we said he's using the, the, the analogy here of a, of a racer. You know, he finds he's out there and if he's running that marathon, and he may have run 10 miles or 15 miles of it already. But if he starts concentrating on what he's done the last 15 miles, he's never going to finish the race. He's never going to complete the race. Forgetting that which is behind and reaching towards that goal. You see, that's what repentance is all about. Taking it to the Lord. Turning from it. Putting it behind us. Forgetting those things and reaching. And just as Forgetting requires repentance. Reaching requires resolve. It takes some resolve. And we looked at two of those. We looked at Daniel, just a young boy when he was taken into captivity and all the things that went on there and all the things that he faced. But he resolved. He resolved not to drink the wine. He resolved not to eat the king's food because those things were sin. They were wrong for him. And yes, <laughs> you think that it was an easy thing to do that and to stand there and look those lions eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> but he trusted his God. He had a resolve. He was going to do what was right with God regardless. And in the end, the very king that wanted to kill him, he won the respect of that king because he genuinely lived what he said. He had a resolve. We secondly, we mentioned Jacob. We talked about Jacob and Jacob. I mean, he'd sinned against his father. He'd sinned against his brother. He ran away from home the very first night that he ran away from home. Here he is out there homeless, sleeping under the stars, and he has a dream, and he sees these angels going up and down the ladder, in and out of heaven. You see, when he got up, he made a resolve to the Lord. He said, if you will go with me, I will live for you and surely give thee one-tenth of all that I shall earn. We said he wasn't buying his way into God's favor, but he recognized who had the priority in his life. And Lord, if you'll go with me, if you'll go with me, I'll live for you. And I'll be honest with you and make sure that all that you bless me with, that your part is there first. He was putting God first. He was putting his priorities, and we said, we know he messed up some of the times. But boy, when he did what he resolved, the Lord blessed him. We said that night when he made that resolve there, we don't know, he couldn't have had very much with him. He might have had a bit of food and a, and a few pieces of clothing in a sack or something, but it was what he was carrying. That was it. <laughs> but when he came back there, he came back a very wealthy man, not because we... We'll get rich for serving God. 
But because God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We all get so sidetracked. We all get our focus on so many things. I'm saying we need to make the same resolve that the Apostle Paul did, forgetting those things which are behind, getting rid of all those sins like we talked about this morning, all those things that rob you of your happiness, they rob you of your joy. Why as Christians so many times that we walk around with drooping down and we have no joy, we have no happiness? Why? Because we let those things, those things in our lives, rob us from it. They separate us from it. We looked at a number of illustrations there. God wants us to truly have a happy new year. I ask you, how many of you have had that, those words spoken to you, Happy New Year, so many times in the last few days? And yet, Happy New Year's don't happen by themselves. Do we really believe when the Bible talks about a, a peace that passes all understanding? Do we really believe in a, in a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory? I mean, as God's children, we ought to be the happiest people on earth. No, it's not going to be a bed of roses. Yes, it's going to be tough sometimes. Yes, we're going to mess up sometimes. Yes, people are going to mess with us sometimes. Folks, we've got the victory in Him. We can have a happy new year. 2010 can be the best year that you've ever lived in your life. And it can be the one that is the most fruitful that God is able to truly use you for what he wants to accomplish with your life instead of what we want to do with ourselves. Forget it. You can't change the past. Get them under the blood. Forget those things which are behind and reaching. Make a resolve that you're going to live for God, that he's going to be first, that your priorities are going to be there, that the most important thing for you is the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter what the world thinks. Doesn't matter what the world thinks we've accomplished. We need some resolve. I said to you that it was David. You know, David, a man after God's own heart. And yet, David messed up, didn't he? He lost all the joy of his salvation. There came a point when he had to repent. And you know, David made two very important resolutions. I won't read it to you because how many of you ever read Psalm 119? <laughs> you know that Psalm 119 was, was David's resolution to God to read the Word of God? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's about. It's about God's Word, the importance of it in his life. It's easy for us. It's easy for us to talk about reading it, to mean to read it. But he resolved that the Word of God was going to have its rightful place in his life. I remember reading the story. It was told about after a, a battle in World War I when a, a chaplain went to the battlefield. He was out there with the medics really just to bring the dead and the wounded back in. They found a young man laying there on his back, and his body had just been peppered with bullets. There was a Bible in his left hand. And 
as the chaplain reached down and his index finger was laying on a verse, and it was John chapter 14 and verse 6. As the chaplain picked up the Bible and he turned, he, he noticed in the flyleaf that something had been written there. First of all, that it was presented to this young man by his mother, and then written in the boy's handwriting were these words. He says, the following passages constitute the motto of my life. Then he listed three references and signed his name. The first was where they found his index finger in John chapter 14, 6, which simply says, Jesus saith, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The second passage was Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 that we just mentioned earlier, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And the third was Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What was he saying? First, that he was trusting Jesus Christ as his Savior, as his Lord. Second, that he was trying to put Christ first in everything. And third, in doing that, he was believing and trusting God to work out all the details, all the things in his life for what God knew would be for his good. That's not a bad motto. If we could take them and believe them, I mean, we know them. Probably most of you here could, could quote those three verses tonight. But do we live by them? Do we genuinely believe it? David made another resolve, not just to read God's Word. But Psalm 116 and verse 2. Psalm 116 Verse 2, he says, Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call unto him as long as I live. As long as I live. You see, he resolved. These are things we know. You know, it's, it's the simple things that the devil beats us up with. It's the simple things that he gets into our lives and he, and he messes with our heads and he, and he messes with us in the fact that he, he takes away our joy and our happiness and our peace. And we're useless to ourselves and anybody else around us then. He's the one that's winning and we're existing rather than really living that life that the Lord really wants us to. A servant girl once told the preacher that she Prayed all the time. The preacher asked her, now, just how in the world do you manage to do that? She answered, she says, well, when I open my eyes in the morning, I ask God to open the eyes of my understanding. When I'm dressing, I ask God to clothe me with his righteousness. When I wash my face, I ask God to wash all my sins away. When I begin my work, I pray for strength equal to the task. When I kindle the fire, I pray for God to revive the fires of my soul. When I sweep the house, I pray for God to cleanse my heart of all impurities. 
When I prepare a meal, I pray for God to feed me with the manna from heaven. When I'm busy with the little children, I pray for God to give me the spirit of a little child. You see, I think that's kind of what God was talking about when he said pray without ceasing. In other words, to include him in every area of our life, to be conscious of his presence, not to have to get a whole bunch of stuff sorted out before we can even feel comfortable talking to him about something. We find that we need to have the resolve. Know that the Apostle Paul had a resolve in his life too, that reaching. You see, I said this morning, you know, we won't reach every goal that we ever set in our lives. And folks, if we, if, if we don't have a goal out there, we don't have a mark that we're going for, then we're not going to get anywhere. All at the same time, Paul is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward that which is before him as he presses towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, that prize that is before him. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul made resolve with his life as well. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, Paul said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as he wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verses beginning in verse 19, he says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as the weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men. Why? That I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, So fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You see, Paul made a resolve to serve others, to win souls to Christ. It's an amazing thing, really, when you you really stop and think about it. If every one of us here tonight, how many of us are here tonight? I don't know, maybe 30 of us. 
just us here tonight, if just we here tonight in this small Sunday night crowd, we all resolve, Brother Steve, to win at least one person to Christ, to disciple them, where would we be this time next year? What about if we just resolved to win two or three or four? You see, how important is it to us? I don't ask you this to be mean. I don't ask you to put... How many did you win to Christ last year? How many people, their eternities have been changed because that was a priority, a goal in your life this past year, to win somebody to Christ? You can't save anybody, but you can sure plant the seed. You can sure be faithful as a sower. You can put them out there. You can be earnest. Paul determined that he was going to preach the gospel, that he was not going to be ashamed, that he was willing to go to anybody with it. What kind of a difference would that make? I remember reading about a, a, a lady and her little daughter that had, had got on a train and they were going somewhere and they were, they were sitting there and they, they, they came from a, you know, a Christian family and you know how children sometimes, again, boy, if we could just have the spirit of a child sometimes. They were sitting there, and they hadn't been sitting long, and the train had headed out, and the little girl looked across at an older gentleman that was sitting across the aisle from him on the train. And she looked over, and she said, my, my grandpa's about your age. <laughs> and then she went on to say, my grandpa's a Christian, and on his way to heaven, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Just a little girl. Well, you know, he didn't get nasty with her or anything like that. But later in life, it was this man's testimony as he told about this woman and her little girl. This little girl. But just ask him if he knew where he was going for eternity because he reminded her of her granddad. He said, I never got away from that. And he said, that was what eventually brought me to my knees, accepting Christ as my Savior. See, God doesn't call everybody to be preachers, and He doesn't call everybody to be theologians and all that, but He has asked us all to be a witness. He's asked us all to let Jesus be seen in our lives. You know, I could get myself down pretty bad if I look back at all the times that Christ hasn't really been seen in my life as He should have this past year. <laughs> you know what? Those things can be forgotten. Only by genuine repentance. We can't sweep them under the carpet. We can't pretend they don't matter. But if we genuinely will give those things to the Lord, repent for where we failed Him, and if we'll reach, we'll reach. You know, what kind of resolve have we got? What kind of a difference? Or is it just going to be another year of existence? Can our life make a difference? It's amazing what the Lord can do with a life that is simply given to Him. Now, I don't have time for the last point, forgetting, reaching, pressing. You see, forgetting, I said that requires repentance. Reaching requires some resolve. We've got to determine to reach something. Pressing. 
Pressing towards the mark. You see, that's what keeps us going. That's going to require some resourcefulness. They used to have a little thing. I'm, I'm sure that if you've ever been involved in much athletics, I can remember back one of the first things that they taught us when we were out there training for football, to play American football. And you get out there, and I mean, they'd run you, and they'd run you, and they'd exercise, and they'd take no pain, no gain. <laughs> and it hurts sometimes. <laughs> but that's one of the things that sometimes we need to stretch ourselves. Sometimes it takes a little bit of pain. How can we find the strength to press towards the mark? Well, I don't have time. I'm just going to give them to you, and then you can think on them, and they're all in God's Word. Remember, remember this. We can never repay Christ for all that He's done for us. You want to keep going? Turn your eyes on Jesus. Remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. Don't get, your heart, don't get your eyes off of it. Don't get your heart off of it. We can never repay Him for all that He's done for you. You see, we're not obligated. The Apostle Paul talked about that there. We're not obligated to have to do a lot of these things. But if we really love Him, and if we really want our lives to be more than just existing, there'll be things that we'll resolve and want to do in our hearts if we'll remember what He's done for us. It ought to make us want to do something for Him to show our appreciation. Remember, the greatest happiness and the richest rewards come to those that are faithful. Not the smartest, not the strongest, not the ones that are the most popular or maybe even have the greatest natural abilities, but to the faithful. That's all God asks of you. It's for you to be faithful. We find that he gives us illustration after illustration of that in, in Scripture. Remember, I've said this in different ways at different times. Folks, I can almost assure you, without any shadow of a doubt, that we'll never be gathered together again, the same as we are here tonight. Somebody will be added. Somebody will be missing. But God's got us here tonight. And you know, I can say this with absolute honesty. We all, regardless of how young you are here tonight or how old that you are, we all, without doubt, must recognize this could be our last year. This could be our last chance for a fresh start. Now, if you're, if you're ready to face God, if you're saved, nothing's going to change that. And I'm talking about the last chance for your life to count for something here, for God to do something with you that's beyond you completely. Maybe you've never even thought about it. Maybe you've never even thought that it was possible. What was it? Brother Malcolm, I think you had made some copies and Brother Steve had some on the table. I, I preached a sermon some years back. This, it was, you know, I mean, I guess different preachers have done it in different ways. If you only had 12 hours to live, I think it was called, or something like that. Just, just, just the thought of, you know, if you honestly knew that you only had 12 hours left on this earth, what would be important to you tonight? You know, a year is a lot longer. 
But I'm asking you honestly, if you knew that this was the last year that you had before you face God in eternity, what will be important to you? What do you want to do with your life this year? You see, I know. I know that God wants to have a closer relationship than you've ever had with him. He wants that relationship with you. I know without a doubt. God wants you to have that peace that goes past anybody's understanding and that, that joy that is beyond speaking about. God wants that for you. But are we willing? Are we willing to do whatever else we do with our lives this year? Are we willing, as the Apostle Paul's here, to do this one thing? This one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things that we can't change, we can't do anything about them. They're done, they're over with, they're finished. But he said, forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching. Reaching. Reaching forward, not reaching back. Reaching forward to those things which are before us. Pressing. Pressing for the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm encouraging you this evening. Will you make that kind of resolve with your life to the Lord this year? Don't make it lightly. <laughs> Vows aren't to be taken lightly. Would you be willing to really give your life to the Lord in such a way to let God really do what he wants to do with you and through you this year? We know that it's genuinely, as we come around the Lord's table, as we do this evening once again, the Lord knew how forgetful we'd be, didn't he? He knew how easy it would be for us to get our minds on all of the wrong things. And you know, sometimes I guess that I've been accused of, you know, well, the preacher just wants to point his finger and make you feel bad. I was feeling pretty good before I came to church. <laughs> I don't want to make anybody feel. I, I, want you, I want you to have the happiest new year of your life. Don't let the devil fool you. Don't let the devil take away your real joy, your real happiness. Don't get entangled. Folks, sin will take it away. I don't care how little it is. I don't care how much you try to push it aside or pretend that it's not. If it's sin, it's sin. And it separates you from God. And it destroys your peace. And it destroys your happiness. God wants you to have that sweet fellowship. That's what this table is all about. Coming around it. That's why that he tells us even as we come to this table. He says, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Don't make light of this. Examine yourself. 
He says, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. This evening, as you examine yourself, as we come around this table, now this table is something that's given to us. And as a church body, we come around it in oneness together as a fellowship. First of all, because we've already been saved, blood-bought, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Second, you've followed the Lord in believers' baptism. You've been obedient to identify yourself with Him. And third, you're a part of a, a unified body. Now, there may be some here this evening that you've been saved. You followed the Lord in that believer's baptism. You're not a member of this local church. Well, I would say this evening, number one, we're, we don't mean to put you down. You may be better than all of us. And we invite you as a guest to this table if, if you're in unity with, with this church and what we stand for and who we are, then we invite you as our brother or sister in the Lord. But you see, the thing is, this table won't take the place. You must be saved. The very first step that a Christian should do is follow the Lord in believer's baptism to identify himself with the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And I can tell you absolutely, wholeheartedly, folks, if you read this book, if you read the New Testament, God's place for you to serve him, God's place for your accountability is the local church. We're to be a part of a body. And he's gifted us with each other. The Bible says he's given us pastors and evangelists, those to teach us. We serve with Jesus Christ, receiving all the glory. So this evening, we come as a unified body, and you must examine yourself. And if there's something you need to make right with God, I can assure you, God, right now, He'll forgive you. He says if you'll confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you're the one. You're the one that must confess it. That's what he wants. He doesn't want anything there to divide you, to separate you. We're going to take of this bread to remember the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for us. We're going to drink of this cup to remember the blood that was shed on Calvary. And this evening, I can tell you from the very depths of my heart that when I say to you this evening here at this Lord's table, Happy New Year, I don't mean it lightly. I really believe that if we can just take the principle of what the Apostle Paul has shown us here, you can have the happiest year of your life. Whatever God's got before you can be the best. But it's God's way that will do that for you. And this evening as we come around this table and as we remember our Lord Jesus Christ, just bow our heads and in the quietness of the moment, there are things behind you that, haven't been forgotten because 
True repentance hasn't taken place yet. Maybe right now, the Lord said, I, I want to have communion with you. I want to have sweet fellowship with you. But the only way that that's going to happen is for that sin to be removed. Maybe right now, as we said this morning, maybe something you have done, it may be something you haven't done. But the truth is, it's robbing you of that sweet fellowship that you need with the Lord Jesus. Father, you know the hearts of each individual. Lord, as we come around this table this evening, I pray that we could enjoy true fellowship with you. Lord, we recognize that our worthiness is only in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in ourselves. I pray here this evening, Lord, you know the hearts and minds of each one. I pray if there's anyone here that's not genuinely saved, that you would show them by the power of your Spirit. And the Father, that which we do would be a witness and a testimony to them. I pray, Lord, for those that belong to you here this evening, that you would help them to be honest with themselves and with you. Lord, if there's sin in their life that they genuinely have not just said, I'm sorry for, but that they have not genuinely repented of and dealt with, then I pray that you would not like, let them make such lightness of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as to receive of these things with that sin present in their lives. But Lord, if it's there, would you help them genuinely and sincerely at this time to put it behind them by truly turning away from it and confessing it to you and seeking that forgiveness that only you can bring them. Take away that separation that they might truly know your nearness. And Father, that they might be able to take of this bread and this cup then with true unity in their hearts with you. Father, may it be a witness to all that is here that all of our faith, all of our hope, everything that we are and ever hope to be is in the Lord Jesus Christ, his finished work when he died for us, shed his blood, when he defeated the grave and rose that third day. And because he is there right now is our only intercessor. The only way that we can even talk to you is because of him. Thank you for that this evening. In Christ's name we pray, amen.